0: This is Peter McGlynn, and you are now listening to Northern California's number one soccer-specific
1: podcast. What is going on, soccer fans? And welcome to the number one soccer-specific podcast in Northern California, the Sagtown FC podcast, powered by Revu and sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. Check them out today at roughneckscarves.com and raise your game. My name is Luis, and as usual, I'm joined by my co-hosts, John and Danny. How's it going, guys?
2: So far, so good. Um, you know, a little golf in the in the morning here but after we're done, and yesterday, so a little rusty on the swing yesterday, but uh, a day after, you're always ready to go again. So I'm actually going to play real golf. I'm going to keep my score today, and uh, hopefully I do better. Yeah, I'm doing good too, man. i just just uh, starting off my day, uh, going to go online shopping after
3: this, and uh, go get some sushi. Not Makuni, but still pretty good, I guess.
1: Yeah, well, Mikuni M- M- will happen soon. You know, once, once uh, we're able to go back to Republic matches, we'll definitely schedule a, a Mikuni lunch uh, on one of those days.
2: Definitely. And Luis can pay for it because he's got that gift card. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. speaking of Mikuni, today joining us via the Mikuni Dreamline is former Republic fullback who started his career in the youth programs at Scarystown and Shelbourne in Ireland. He came to the States to attend UC Santa Barbara and was drafted by the San Jose Earthquakes before returning home to Ireland. Please welcome a member of the 2017 Republic team, Peter McGlynn. Peter, how are things in Ireland?
0: Hey guys, how's it going? Thanks for having me on there. Uh, Well, I suppose things are going as well as can be while everyone's in lockdown right now still. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, things things are going okay right now.
2: You got out to play some golf today. How is that social distancing uh, in the golf game?
0: (laughs) It makes it easier when you uh, avoid fairways as much as possible, just through a lack of skill. So uh, if I'm slicing it and my playing partner is drawing it in, then yeah, social distancing isn't really a problem.
3: (laughs) So Peter, uh, thanks again for jumping on and uh, we'll just uh, jump right to it. So my question, my first question is, uh, how do you fall in love with the game of football?
0: Ooh. I think my dad, I think uh, he played professionally um, and from a young age, he, uh, he kind of got me involved in it, but he didn't really push me like, as in, he's not one of those competitive parents, you know, that pushes you to the point where kids fall out of love in the game, you know? So it was easy going, just as much as you can enjoy it up to a point. And then when it, get, when it when it got to about maybe 14 15 then it was like okay now we we start to turn it serious now okay because you've you've upped the gear a little bit so i think yeah me being involved in football and basically where i am today is basically cuz yeah like my dad like just took that approach so i think yeah he would be the uh, the main factor and why like i fell in love with the game
1: yeah that's that's awesome too i, I think you know we've heard it from uh, other footballers too and, and how um, they've gotten inspiration from a parent and a uncle that played professionally and then they decided to go that route too so always great when you when you have someone to to look up to like that
0: yeah that's true yeah and to, to guide you as well like they've they've probably been there and, and done that you know so they've mm-hmm. if they've been around the game long enough they they understand how it works and how uh, um i don't know just to help you guide you through that process up the youth level up up to senior level
1: So I think uh, we we may know the answer to this question just based on a talk we were having uh, off air. And I I have a feeling that John's going to love this answer. Um, But what soccer team did you find yourself supporting growing up? And do you still support them?
0: Yeah, so this has been a great year for me. So I'm a Liverpool fan. Um, Yeah, so... uh, Obviously, we're two wins away from. I know, I know. I was the last time we won the league. I think I was, I was one. So I didn't really remember it. But uh, hopefully, it happens the next couple of weeks. And obviously, there's not going to be a big parade or anything like that. But I'm just going to enjoy every single part. But I can see John shaking his head now. Did you think I was a United fan?
2: Well, that's that's what I thought. Being that you hated City because Liverpool hates <laughs> Manchester United. So anything you'd...
0: from Manchester, basically anything from Manchester at all, you know. I mean, City are our biggest rivals right now, so that's uh, so that's why.
2: <laughs> and I thought the other part would be being Irish, you you would be a Celtic supporter, so I thought I that would been in your, I thought that would have been in your back pocket.
0: I am, I am, but no, I'm a Liverpool fan. My uh, actually, my granddad um had to uh for nine years, I think. Um, while my dad was growing up, he had to go to Liverpool and actually work there and send money home because there was no work in, in Dublin at the time. So uh, that's how he became a Liverpool fan. And then my dad did. And then I actually had a year when I was younger that I was a Man united fan. And I was almost like when I was eight years old, I had, they were winning everything. And I was just like, I want to be a United fan. And, like my dad almost just just kicked me out of the house, like I was lucky like I had a roof over my head at that time, so uh, but I finally I saw I saw the error in my ways, and like yeah, I've been Liverpool since then
2: there's no errors in your way when you're running out again, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> not in this household <laughs> so uh, you spent your youth with uh, Scaris and Shelbourne. Uh what made you come to the states and play at u c Santa Barbara instead of going further with the professional career in Ireland? And um, well, I had,
0: I came up through the ranks with uh, Shelburne all the way up to the senior level, and I had about a I was training and, and playing with them for about a year and a half before I left in the August for, um, for UCSB. But in that preseason in the January before that, the manager came up to me and he was like, like, cause at that time, the recession was hitting the league of Ireland was like, like the wages aren't, aren't they, they took a massive dip, like the kind of future of the league wasn't there. And so his name was Dermot Killian. He was like, his son actually went to UCSB for one year and he was like, look, I have this connection. Um, i've told him about you he'd like to see you come out and play um and then if you want you know there's a route down there to go the american uh the american way and there was another guy called david mcgill that was on shelburne at the time as well and he spent two years in ucsb so so i knew people already that were there and they just they they just talked the world of it you know like they were like you won't regret this at all so um so they invited the uh um, the assistant manager up there he flew out to ireland watched me play for like 45 minutes and then i had lunch with him uh him and his assistant and then uh my dad we had a talk and he was like look let's just go through the process and if you decide in in may or so you want to come along then great but we'll we'll get all the paperwork going because it's a it's such an ordeal to go through and um, the ncaa clearinghouse and everything like that especially if you were involved in a senior level they think that you're pro already so there was a lot of red tape to get through there but um yeah, I'm delighted. I actually just went ahead and said yeah. So,
3: Peter, while at Santa Barbara, you suffered a pretty serious ankle injury. Uh, what happened, and did you ever think that was the end of your career?
0: Um, yeah, we uh, we just started senior season, and I was captain, and we played one game actually. And, uh, like I got two assists in and I was like, okay, this is like, I, I played the whole year, PD, uh, the whole summer, um, in PDL with Ventura. And I was like, I was flying, you know, and I was like, I got out of the blocks and I was like, this is going to be a good year. I can feel it. And then the day before we were traveling to, I think we we're traveling to Duke or something like that on the East coast. Um, we were training at the back of the stadium and there was a few holes in the back, like a few holes in the, in, on the pitch. It wasn't really the, the best part of the stadium. And uh I just went in and just rolled the uh the inside of my ankle not not the outside, which is the normal one. I rolled the inside and tore the ligament in there and um it it absolutely blew up, so it did and I was like uh straight away, I was like we couldn't get my we could barely get my boot off um and I was like that's i think that's me done but um we took an m r i we got an m r i and they were like it's just your ligament torn like it was a minor thing <laughs> um but they're like we think we can like uh we think we can get you back um within like two months and you can still get the second half of your season. Actually it wasn't torn, sorry, but we can we think we can get you uh, the second half of the season. So I was like, okay, grant. So I did everything. And then two, two months later, the first training session I went in, it went complete. And this time it was torn. So I was in like a boot and a cast for I think four months after that. So I was like, uh, oh, that's I, I didn't actually know if I was even going to finish college or I was just gonna leave or like I, I didn't really know at that point. Thankfully, I got back to it, though. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, no, the, thankfully, uh, you, you were able to return and able to um, have some more game, right, with a couple more teams later on. Um, so we know after college, uh, you got drafted by the Earthquakes in the 2012 uh, draft. Uh, can you tell us more about what that experience was like?
0: Yeah, I mean, um, I kind of, I, I don't know if you guys are right, I kind of messed up a couple of months back in at the end of college uh, with something that happened. Um, involving like I just I just actually pushed the referee, so I was told afterwards that like you you're not going to the combine. I was already told that, and basically I had an agent there, and he was like, "You're not getting drafted. No team's going to touch you." So I actually wasn't even watching the draft at the time. I was still in Santa Barbara and um, just kind of wrapping up a few things. I was going to go home to Ireland, and uh, I was on my way to like one of my friend's house, and like as I as I pulled up in the car, like he came out and he goes, "You just got drafted, dude," and I was like, "What?" And uh, he was like, yeah, you're going to San Jose. And then like 20 minutes later, I get a phone call from John Doyle that says like, yeah, we're just after drafting draft. You know, like, you know, we like to like, we don't care what's just happened. So, um, you know, you're, uh, you're going to come up here in the next few days and then let's see how you get on.
2: That's awesome that uh, it gave you a chance. You know, it's always hard, right? Yeah. You always, you, you get, it's kind of like a clean slate of sorts. Um, so, hey, you know, San Jose never really panned out though, um, but you did uh, head back to Ireland you made some success of you know playing for a couple clubs but um, did you ever think about going on to potentially another team in the MLS or the USL after your after your uh, time in San Jose or was going home always in the books and plan um well my my agent
0: at the time was Graham Smith who was heavily involved with Sacramento and they were forming um Sacramento at the time and um, I think they were they were starting the following year uh, in 2014 so he told me about it, but with San Jose, so I actually had uh, osteitis pubis, which was like I had to have hip surgery, and so that was in. I got that in July, and the recovery time was nine months. So I told Graham that, like, I was like, I don't know if I can even come in for preseason, and he was like, just let me know how it how it, how it, how it goes. And um, but I couldn't. I did a couple of weeks training with a with an Irish team in the in the Premier League in the Irish team, uh, sorry, uh, UCD, and I just couldn't run right. I was like four yards off the pace like i just everything was just completely wrong so i told graham he was like okay you know what we'll well let's keep in contact maybe you should find a team like even if it's not now but halfway throughout the season and then we'll revisit it again next year so i if if i was actually fully fit i think i would have probably went to sacramento like in 2014 like if if i was able to play at that time
3: well that would have been a good year to go to sacramento huh (laughs)
0: yeah i actually (laughs) i actually had a friend james Keefe there as well and he was telling me and i was like oh if only my hip wasn't hanging off at that stage
2: (laughs) so peter uh, you you and james went to uc bar or santa barbara together
0: yeah we did yeah 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 we're good friends i was actually talking to him on the phone uh, only uh last night actually (laughs) we had him on a few weeks ago actually yeah he was saying he was saying that uh
3: so peter you you did have uh You had two solid seasons with Bray and Longford, scoring five goals in those years, um, and decided to come back to America to play for the best team in the USL and (laughs) it's going to be the best team in the MLS, Sacramento Republic. What made you come to the Republic, especially since you had a good run in Ireland?
0: Um, My goal, like even since San Jose didn't pan out, my goal was to get back to the US. You know, like I I, I completely settled there, Um, I was happy there. I spent the majority of my adult life there, so um, up to that point. So my entire goal was to get back there. um, And I was still in contact with Graham. I came out um, midway through the Longford uh, season in 2016 in June. And um, I I trained with the team for a week. Um, It actually went... I had the worst start possible because I arrived on the Saturday night and I was training the Monday morning. And I don't know what happened. It must have been jet lag or something like that, but... I almost passed out with like, I hadn't been in that heat for so long for years. I almost like passed out running around and uh, the manager comes up and goes, are you fit? And I was like, yeah, I just, I just played 90 minutes there on Friday night. Like I'm completely matched fit. I don't know what's going on. And so after that night, I was like, Oh no, I've had this for like, this has been my goal for like the last few years. And now that couldn't have been the worst day ever, but I recovered really quickly. And then after that they were like, yeah, we're interested. Like let's, um, Let's uh, let's keep in contact and let's see what's going on. And then, as soon as my season with Longford finished, like um, they reached out, and uh, yeah, I just signed uh, right there.
1: So that that season you were with the Republic, uh, I remember it, it was a letdown. I mean, the team had finished in a first in the conference the year before, and then you know we make it all the way to I believe it was the um, it was the semifinals of the conference too, and we lost against the second essentially the B team of uh, sporting kansas city um mm. what was the atmosphere like in the locker room during that season um
0: can i be completely honest can i <laughs> um it was a it was a it was to be honest that was probably one of the weirdest seasons that i've been involved in the atmosphere was um like people were just like on eggshells the whole time and honestly i'm gonna put it down to the man management skills of like the the, the manager in charge there. like like I know, I was, I was telling friends back home. Like so, I was actually. um, They sent out a pre preseason thing. So from my own personal experience, they sent out a pre preseason package, and I felt something in my knee while doing that. And I told them, and they were like, "No problem, you know, come and see our knee specialist." Uh, so I flew over, went to see the knee specialist, and they were. And she was like, "Yeah, like it's only this minor thing. Fully fit, ready to go in six weeks. Like he'll be training fully in four weeks." This was at the start of preseason, so I was like, "Okay, great." So then like a week or so later, I get called into the office and I'm basically being yelled at because I've been told that um, I'm being told that like I'm a greedy little, I won't say the word online, but uh, um, and that I'm just here for a payout and that they're going to send me home, everything like this. And I was like, wait, this is supposed to be my dream year, you know, like what's, where's this coming from? To eventually the point where like, they were like, they sent me on a plane home. And then I kept on getting calls to cancel my contract. And I was like, no, like this, this is not right. You know, like I'm fully, And within like four weeks, I was fully training with another team here. So um, for me, I was like, I was on eggshells the entire season because I was like, okay, I feel like I'm just one mistake away from like being treated like that again. And it happened to Julius James and it happened to Daniel Trickett-Smith where they got sent home for no reason. I think everyone was around going we have no idea where these like mood swings are going to come from. And that's what we used to talk about in the warmups. We were like, what type of like, you know, management team, like, are we going to get today? We have no idea, you know? So it was weird. I think a lot of guys were looking to get out as well. Like, you know, it was just a, it was a weird season. It wasn't what I expected at all.
2: You think a lot of that had to do with that first place finish and kind of missing out on the end result that was expected of a first-place finishing team coming the next year and essentially being mid-table towards the bottom in eight?
0: I, I don't know, actually. Um, we kind of, we even in the dressing room, we didn't really have, we didn't really speak about the previous year, you know. Um, what I found out was that we kind of, even though I didn't play with him, but I, I knew him well. Um, Adam Moffat. He had he had injuries throughout that entire year, but even when he wasn't playing and he was around the changing rooms, he would still be yelling at people. You know, to like kind of snap people into what what you need, kind of. You know, like a, a kick up the a kick up the butt. You know, like. But not many other people were doing that, and I don't know if that kind of just crept in. If he was there the entire time, and every, well, he was there every day, but he wasn't around the dressing room. He was doing his rehab, but there probably needed to be another three or four players like that. That was just like, this isn't acceptable. You know, like we have so many fans come into the games. We have the best fans in the USL by far. They expect way more than this. And I just think it was that, like, who was missing that kind of, that spark right there. Or someone who's just going to grab someone and be like, this is not good enough. You need to snap out of this right now. You know, like kind of like a, what you would expect from a, a grown-up senior dressing room. But and I know that there was the academy kids there um, that were training with us and everything like that. But it does no good to them if you're not saying that stuff or if they're not seeing this because they'll go to other clubs and then they'll be shocked when like there's fighting, kicking, screaming in the dressing room, which is which is normal for most senior teams,
2: you know. Well, I know uh, Adam was on the older uh, end of the spectrum, right? And and kind of you were you were playing in that middle realm where you're more senior than you are a junior. Did you ever yeah. have a moment where you thought maybe you should, you know, perk up and and start pushing the the boys in another direction?
0: Yeah, I got I got in a fight a couple of times. <laughs> not not a serious fight, no. But there would be there would there would be a lot of screaming and cursing and everything like that, you know. And then some guys were like, "This is normal," you know. And then others, though, the younger guys, were like, "What's going on here?" You know. But they they don't understand because I don't think that they they probably saw it before, or if, or if they're only coming up from the academy and they're only training in that's. It's probably a little bit of a culture shock. Whereas, I don't. My only other experience is Ireland, where like you're. It doesn't matter what age you are. Once you're in that senior dressing room, you are fair game to get yelled at, the works. You know, like so. I don't know. I, I think we were missing that. Um, that kind of someone just to like just keep us in check, and yeah, I mean, it, it kind of showed in the results, you know.
2: Yeah. I can only imagine the expectations are extremely high for Sacramento from not just the fans, but also the front office and yeah. that, you know, that in itself can really push people to be on eggshells, right? Cause there is that high expectation to finish at the top of the table, to be respectful or have a respectful finish and, and finish the season with a playoff in, you know, the championship.
0: Yeah, true. True. I mean, and there was we did hear talk from like you know a a few of the higher-ups um you know that's like this isn't good enough you know i think graham smith came down a couple of times and was like this isn't good enough at all but it would just go to paul and then paul would come down to us and say it's not good enough at all which is which is fine you know but it just seemed like just things were just out of sync for that year and i mean like for where we finished i mean I, i know I know budget doesn't have anything to do with it, but I think we had one of the biggest team budgets in, in in the USL, you know, and we weren't a we weren't a developmental team, so to finish in that position, yeah, it wasn't a, it wasn't it wasn't good at all.
3: So, Peter, the the next question is presented by reboot. Uh, we we've all had that moment in life that we have had to start over, or correct ourselves, like a golf mulligan, if you will. <laughs> Can you share the moment you had to have a reboot? whether it was life athletic or academic
0: um yeah actually after san jose because um i had surgery i came home and then all of a sudden like my entire life of what it was like for the last five years was gone like you know i wasn't living in california anymore um i wasn't playing football and it kind of was like a Oh no what am I going to do you know and it kind of made me get my act together a little bit um, and start planning for the future which i think a lot of guys don't do until they're in their 30s you know or so at that time when i was thinking about it and like i was talking to my dad and all he was like you don't want to be that guy at 33 that like you know you stop playing and then you have nothing else like you're starting from scratch again it's better to build up something now. And then when it's time for you to transition, you're not going to be afraid to actually transition away from football, because you have that in the background, you're going to be comfortable, you're not going to hit a slump. So after San Jose, um, uh, I went and did a postgraduate degree in digital marketing. So I was like, okay, that'll keep me busy. I'll just keep my mind ticking over while I'm doing rehab um, and getting back into football. So I did that. And then throughout the years when i was playing for bray and longford i was actually working as well so at the league of ireland like there's only like two or three teams that are full-time and then the other teams are they train in the evening so they let players um they let players work during the day you know because the money in league of ireland isn't there anymore there's it's it's a long way gone from like guys getting like like two three k two three four k a week you know like that that doesn't happen you know so um I think that point there, that little period there, which it it sucked because I was tired all the time, you know, and like football wasn't the main focus. It was the focus, but like there was still something else that was taking up a lot of my time. But now, when I'm looking back in it, it made it a lot easier to transition from the end of uh, from the end of Sacramento to the point of where I am now. And also in in Sacramento, if I didn't do that, then when I went when I came to Sacramento, there's a season ticket holder called uh, Barry Mills. And he owns um, all of media agency, which is a digital marketing agency in, um, in Sacramento. And, um, and so Keefe knew him. We went out to lunch and, um, and I just asked him, Hey, what do you do? And he's like, Oh, I own this agency. And I was like, Oh, I, I did a, I did a postgraduate degree in that, like, you know, and he was like, you should come work for me. And I was like, perfect. Because that year I was like, okay, it's going to be football 100%. But when he offered that, I was like, he, "He's like, you can do four hours in the afternoon, you know, for like after training. And I was like, Great, that's perfect. And when it came to the end of season, I was just like, I don't really know what I'm going to do. He um, he was like, let's just try it out and work remotely, you know, and see how it works. And I'm still working for him right now. So I think that 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 little slump after San Jose made me kind of kick myself into gear and go get a go get a an, another degree, still play football, but still work on something towards for the future
2: that's awesome so you still have ties to sacramento in, in a lot of different ways then
0: yeah definitely yeah yeah i mean like some of the best people like i met in sacramento like um, katie and luke and results um sharon was fantastic dustin and brian the three e's and marketing erica eddie and and era i don't know if some of them are still there but like most are they are yeah they they were all fantastic you know like i have really good memories of, of sacramento um and I, I should probably get back there um soon enough you know i should get barry to pay for the
2: flights back there yeah <laughs> there you go and then i'll take you out we'll go play golf yeah absolutely yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah well you know i'm glad to hear you know that you you made you know like a negative kind of situation into a positive situation and you know it helped out and and you know i think uh, more footballers i think need to also think about you know their time outside of the pitch too and understand that like sadly you know you can't play forever too and you should always have yeah. that like a career in mind right after after football definitely um,
0: definitely like the the one good thing that happens in ireland we have a we have a players union here that looks after all the players and we give like a small fee every month towards it but when you get in trouble or like you know clubs are acting up with money or whatever they step in right away but they also have this education scheme that goes on that like they help you transition. They put on workshops. So all the players like, and even, even though I haven't played in the league in years, I can still go to them if I want to, like you're a member for life basically. And they help you transition from football to, uh, towards like afterwards because they know that like the post the athletes post career depression and everything like that is, is a real thing so and I, and I know recently that the USL um, one of my former teammates Brad Ring is heavily involved in creating a players union for the USL and I think that that's something that they should definitely be looking into because that's apart from um, you know sticking up for players when clubs are kind of not honoring contracts which happens quite a lot um, they should also be helping players like realizing hey this isn't going to last forever, you know, like, you know, you're, you're the big shot in town now and you're playing football for a living. It's great. But in 10 years time, like that's not really going to count for much unless, um, uh, unless you work towards something.
2: So, you know, one of the things I always hear about often is in America you're paid on time, your wages are set, right? How difficult is it in Ireland with that wages and how often are they actually on time or uh, on exact, exact
0: I had a, uh, an interesting experience with Bray. They, uh, they were owned at the time by, uh, I don't know what they, they were two developmental development brothers and uh, property development brothers, but, um, they looked at Bray, and they, they weren't the best owners, let's just say, but, um, we went on strike for, uh, for a week Or also, we, we had five managers throughout that year, which was crazy because guys wouldn't work with them it was unbelievable when the first manager his staff didn't get paid for like three weeks and he eventually walked he was like no my, my, my staff aren't getting paid not the players but the, his staff weren't getting paid so he walked then um the next manager that came in uh was like he kind of put himself in the corner he was like if that happens if one check bounces then i'm leaving and he was actually the best manager i think i've played under and we had him for six weeks and he turned our season around but three checks out of three players checks and bounced and uh he was gone and i was like oh no so it happens it's the league of Ireland's getting cleaned up and and they're 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 becoming way more stricter on licenses and everything like that so you have to prove that you have the money and um, that you're giving contracts out that you're not going to go bust because a, a lot of time in the last like decade like a lot of clubs have gone bust because they've promised so much and then all of a sudden. They're not getting the gates or whatever it is, and they, they they can't they can't pay the players, and then all of a sudden it's it's a disaster. So yeah, the, the U in fairness the U S. Yeah, like I never had any problem with payments. They were on on time um, by the clock, um, but uh, in Ireland it just it, it goes club by club. But there's some fantastically run clubs here that that live within their means and still and then still do very well.
2: Yeah, because I can only imagine Shamrock and Bohemian are two of the only clubs that probably are are getting payments on time to players, right? In in Ireland, um,
0: yeah, those two, and then Dundalk. Dundalk had a oh. uh, they they
2: played in uh, Europa League a
0: few years ago, so they got a big uh, uh, windfall out of that. So um, yeah, now there's there's some good clubs, but then obviously the virus has just messed everything up, you know. And uh, I think some clubs have had to put their players on for low, so they've had to go on government schemes or they just had to stop paying them. And like, but I mean, in fairness, I don't think you can blame the club who could have foresaw this coming, you know? So I don't think you can really blame some of the clubs for that, but, um, but all will credit to you to the ones that, that still kept afloat and are still going. And that, that league I think is starting in the next few weeks.
1: So it's time for uh, everyone's favorite segment here on the show. It's our rapid fire question time. Um, so let me tell you how, how this works. Uh, we'll be asking you uh, eight questions. Uh, you can only skip twice and you won't know what's next until after we ask a question. Uh, okay. um, so are you ready for this? No. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right, go on. All right. all right, well, before we get started, uh, today's rapid fire is brought to you by a New Glory Beer. Check them out online at newglorybeer.com or visit one of their locations in Sacramento or Granite Bay today for some great beer and awesome dishes. So first question, what has been your most embarrassing football moment?
0: Um I scored an own goal in college. It was pretty embarrassing. Actually, it was a back heel.
2: So you kinda you kinda scored a golazo on your own, huh? Yep, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> well done. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you have a crazy game day routine that you have to go through? Um no, actually in college I had a, a,
0: my roommate there, we actually used to slap each other three times in the tunnel um just before in our junior year and I don't know why and the opponents would just look at us and be like, "What the hell?" <laughs> so,
2: uh yeah, I think that Was he Irish? No, he was Canadian, yeah. All right. I was going to say if he was Irish, it's like, the, it's like the hockey, right? For uh, the All Blacks.
0: <laughs> They're just as crazy up in Canada.
3: <laughs> what, is, uh, what was your favorite thing about Sacramento?
0: Um, can I say shady ladies? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that spot. Yeah, that was a cool spot.
1: Were you always a fullback or did you ever play a different position?
0: Uh, yeah. In Ireland, I, uh, I played left mid for Bray and then right and left mid for, uh, for Longford and a bit in center midfield.
2: Growing up, what player did you watch and try to build your game after? Um, I,
0: I was a big fan of Steven Jarrett, but, uh, I don't think I built my game around him really. <laughs> did you, um, did you
2: ever have a slip that cost you a championship?
0: no I did get sent off in a college final again once in the first 20 minutes that probably cost us it but uh yeah that's probably the closest I uh, got to cost in my team the trophy. All right,
3: Peter, <laughs> A trophy alright Peter you gotta kiss a crest Reno or Everton uh,
0: uh <laughs> I can't say Reno you know, with you guys here. <laughs> uh, I'd say everything. I do it in the dark though. Uh, Derek Horner oh, no. buzzing with this, yeah. Derek Horner oh, no. would be buzzing with this.
2: <laughs> I can hear your father in the background right
1: now.
0: Ah, uh, he—he's uh, fuming. He's fuming. So he is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, Danny loves that answer, and you—you you just uh, gained a new best friend. With All right, Danny's good, son. good. <laughs> uh, w- what are your favorite pair of boots?
0: Um, I had a pair of Adidas, Adizeros. They were in this, like, they were in the glow colorway. I had them in 2014 and I liked them so much that I went and bought another pair like two years later, uh, because they weren't making them anymore, uh, on eBay. Uh, I don't know why. I, I just, I really liked them.
2: No, I'm looking for on eBay. I'm looking for the old predators from 98. Oh yeah. And it's so hard to find them.
0: Oh, I know. I have a friend in Dubai who collects them. So he has like something like 40 pairs or something like that it's yeah his collection looks good
2: i didn't realize how how much of a craze there is for those because i've seen people who have 30 40 pairs and it's just like a monument like a shoe store monument for all of them and they never wore them
0: no no they don't touch them it's just there for show like you know i don't know if people are coming out around the house and being like hey can i look at your football boots there but
2: uh yeah i don't know it's just a collection
0: I don't think they might be worth money a lot if they're not touched or anything like that.
2: Probably. I mean, I I have a pair. I've worn a few times the '98 Beckham's that were white with the Champions League logo on the back. Oh yeah, yeah. I have,
0: yeah, they were and nice. they're
2: the the metal studs. And I'm like, I I took them out the other night to play, and it's just like, oh, it was nostalgia. I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> you can't wear them on turf though, because if you wear them on turf, you're gonna tear your ACL or your yeah, really or really your ankles. Logo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, if you had to pick four players from the past and present in the, in the football world, who are you building a team around with you?
0: Players I played with or are these? Uh, anybody.
2: It could be anybody from the history of the game. You're playing in your back, your fullback position. Who else is on the pitch with you? Ooh, four players.
0: I'd have to put Steven Jarrett in. Definitely. Uh, Luis Suarez. I, I love Luis Suarez. Just that, that win at all costs. Roy Keane, because he's an absolute headcase, um, <laughs> and then uh, oh, I don't know. Actually, I have to be someone that's actually decent to have a drink with, though, as well. Peter Crouch, actually, he's uh, yeah, he's got a, he's got good banter. I think uh, yeah, I think he might be decent to have a good pint with.
2: There you go. There you go. All right. <laughs> you got to think there. about
0: after the game as well. You know, you that's, can't just that's true. be like, "All right, guys, we're just going to play in the backyard and then we're going to go home." No, you got to think
2: about afterwards as well. So we gotta be able to gotta be able to live on, on both sides of the world, right? Can't definitely, just play definitely. football and think football. <laughs> Definitely.
3: All right, Peter, you survived the rapid fire questions. Good job. Good answers. It wasn't so bad, was it? <laughs> no, no, not at all. No. <laughs> the all Everton
0: right, one. The Everton one is
3: killing me though. Oh. <laughs> well, that was a good answer, though. That was a good answer. Uh so we're gonna jump right into our last call questions and my last call question is what does community mean to you? Oh.
0: Um Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, I mean, I've moved around a lot. Um I've lived in different places, but um and I will say particularly about the uh, the American community, um like just like the Santa Barbara one and Sacramento both were fantastic and helped me settle in so much so i think it's really important like who makes up that community you know and kind of what personalities they have and are they willing to reach out and be like hey i know you don't know anyone from here or you're like you know you're straight off the boat from ireland like you have no idea this must be a huge culture shock for you come over for dinner like i was invited to thanksgivings like anything sunday lunches anything like that around uh around boat uh both cities so I think that's hugely important um, and it's probably had a massive influence on me because I don't think if I had that, I would have stuck around. I definitely wouldn't have in Santa Barbara because I was really homesick for a while. So I think having that has kept me in America long enough to love it. And then, you know, I've had this life now.
1: So Peter, t- tell us, you know, what, what are you up to post football? Um, what, what are you doing these days?
0: Um, I actually moved to Barcelona, uh, last, last June. Um, I came home for the lockdown because, uh, Spain was crazy. As soon as I seen military around the roads, um, I was like, Oh, well, at least if I'm in lockdown in Ireland, I could probably go play golf in a month. So, uh, um, I got, I got on a flight home there, but I moved there uh, last June. I've been working remotely for, um, for, for all of media and just kind of, I'm not really looking too much into the future like barcelona was like a kind of a, a friend recommended it and i was just like sure why not and i kind of like that right now so uh i'm gonna go back there in a couple of weeks time and then just just see how it all goes the beauties of being able to work remotely right oh it's fantastic so it is it didn't even even my boss i was just like yeah i'm gonna move to barcelona he's like no problem is that a different time zone and i was like yeah it's just one hour and he's like okay no problem enjoy it, you know? So yeah,
2: brilliant. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Um, uh, you got the support from your boss to be able to do that. And you know, that that's, I, I'm, I'm jealous actually.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's nice. It's been, it's it's been a nice year so far. Hopefully, uh, hopefully more to come.
2: So Peter, thank you for taking the time today to join us. We know it's late evening in Ireland and, and you're needing to ice down from your, your golf swing a little bit, but we really appreciate you taking the time to join us and have a conversation. And we look forward to doing this again uh, soon in the future to talk more about football and, and how you're doing in the uh, marketing world.
0: Guys, I appreciate that. Thanks very much for reaching out and, uh, and having me on here. I enjoyed it.
1: Perfect, awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining. Thank you, Peter.
0: Cheers, guys. Thanks. Bye.
1: Today's guest was brought to you by the Mikuni Dreamline. All Mikuni restaurants are now open But if you can't get there, it's still easy to get your favorite dishes using the Mikuni app. Please make sure to pre-order. And when you arrive, they will deliver your meal straight to your car. Visit them today at mikunisushi.com or download their app available in the App Store or Google Play.
2: And don't forget, you can find us on social media. We are on Facebook with a Facebook page for Sactown FC podcast and our Facebook group, Sacramento Soccer Fans. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at SACTOWNFC. We are also now on the video game world. Whoa,
3: whoa, whoa, John. You cannot forget about our partners, the California Storm and Reboot. You can find the California Storm on their website at calstormsoccer.com. You can also find them on Instagram and Twitter at CalStormSoccer and on their Facebook page, California Storm, and you can find our partners reboot on their Instagram and Twitter at you can reboot or their website, reboot.soccer. You may now proceed.
2: As I was saying, you can find us on Twitch at SactownFC, uh, where you also have the ability to find us playing on the PlayStation or the Xbox. If you are looking for a game on PlayStation 4, you can find me at Sactown underscore FC. And then you can find Luis playing Fortnite or FIFA at Sactown FC for the Xbox. And soon to be, I think Luis is going to upgrade his game to the new PS5 once that comes out so he can get off the Xbox world and play with a real video game system. Just saying.
1: I'm thinking about it, but it might screw up my FIFA game. So I'm not sure. Yeah, I might give you guys a good advantage if I switch to PlayStation because I... It's been years since I've actually used excuses, the PlayStation controller. Excuses, excuses, excuses. <laughs> I'm still up for a challenge, though. Um, I, I do want to play against you guys, and I want to do it on Twitch so everyone sees how the game turns out. So you guys don't rage quit, and nobody sees it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I, I would say if uh, you guys want to challenge John, as Danny and me have been saying for weeks now, uh John has not been challenged yet. and They don't want this heat. They don't want the heat. Yeah, so challenge him. Uh, preferably if we do it on Twitch too. We want to see uh, John's uh, mad FIFA skills and see, see how those games go. So challenge him on FIFA too if you have FIFA on PlayStation. Um, you can find us on our website as well, sactownfc.com. You can find all of our episodes. Um, you can also learn more about the squadron. It's our form of a supporters group where you can get different perks and whatnot. So thank you for everyone who's joined that. One more thing I do want to say is that we do have scarves. Uh, if you guys haven't seen our scarves, you could visit our homepage. We have a link to the scarves there. Or you could visit roughneckscarves.com and uh, pre-order your scarf. Uh, by the time that this part goes out, I think we should have already actually already have them ready. And for you to just purchase it and get it within a week or two. So uh, please check that out and uh, order your scarf today. Comes with free shipping and a free scarf hanger, so you you get a pretty good deal with that too. And not to mention, it's also a summer scarf style, so um, you can actually wear it out uh, during this hot sunny time, at least here in the in the valley. As always,
3: this podcast is powered by Reboot. Reboot is a nonprofit organization whose sole purpose is to help more kids play soccer while creating opportunities to practice generosity, empathy, and leadership. Check them out at reboot.soccer, where you can find out more ways to be a part of the program and help reboot your community today.
1: So that's all we have for today's episode. A special thanks again to Peter McGlynn for taking the time to join us today. And as always, a special thanks to you, the listener, for listening to us, for supporting us, for leaving us positive comments. Uh, We invite you to make sure to subscribe to us uh, anywhere you can subscribe to podcasts, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and also please leave us a review wherever you can leave reviews. Uh, We really appreciate it and it really helps us grow day by day as, you know, we are trying to get our podcast to be heard across the country and across the world uh, with all of our different shows as well and also remember you could also check out our episodes at SagtownFC.com or you can also listen to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts as well if for any reason you can't find it on your favorite podcast platform please let us know and we will make sure to be included in that but as far as I know we are on most if not all the podcast uh, platforms out there so thank you everyone and have a good day or night whenever you're listening to this Thanks, everybody. Take care.
2: Cheers, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your day.